0: Hi everybody, Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Locked On Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson.
1: He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome into another edition of the Locked On Blue Devils podcast. So great to have you here with us once again for another great episode. Thank you for making Locked On Blue Devils your first listen each and every day. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils and follow me on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. Had a whole lot of fun talking yesterday about the big victory for Duke basketball against the Kentucky Wildcats. We'll talk a little bit more about that today and also want to take the opportunity to talk about this Duke football team as we do each and every week with our friends from over at Duke Football Talks Section 17 podcast. Josh Cox is going to be back with us here on today's program. Make sure you follow and subscribe to Locked on Blue Devils for free wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get into our conversation with Josh Cox right after this here on Locked on Blue Devils. This episode of Lockdown on Blue Devils is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's a place where friends and family can come to reconnect, a place where classmates can meet up for a study group knowing they'll have dependable Wi-Fi and endless supplies of French fries and McFlurries. Win or lose, it's a place for teammates, competitors, the home team, or the away team can come to recharge. It's the place you always look forward to stopping at on the long road trip to rest your legs and refuel. I love McDonald's so much, I could proudly say I spent one year in high school working at McDonald's. Make sure you go by and check out your local McDonald's. head to your local McDonald's to refuel and reconnect. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there, proudly sponsoring the Locked On Blue Devils podcast. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, i am loving it. All right, I said it. Josh Cox is here with us on our program from Duke Football Talks, Section 17 podcast after the Blue Devils game versus Pittsburgh last week. Virginia Tech on deck and college basketball has now started. Josh, how are you, friend?
0: Hey, doing great, doing great. I recovered from staying up until, you know, after midnight last night watching a basketball game, so I'm feeling great.
1: What a game it was for Duke basketball, and I definitely want to get into that a little bit later, but let's start football first. Let's start talking about Duke and Pitt. Actually, didn't get a chance to catch up with you guys last week because I had a crossover with our Locked On Pitt host here on uh, the Locked On Podcast Network, but uh, Duke was way more competitive with the Panthers there in the first half than I think a lot of people thought they would have been. What did you make of that first half effort
0: from Duke? Well, number one, uh, shout out to the crowd. And I know I know Saturday was uh, Duke employee day, and so employees were invited out to the game and given tickets and whatnot. But there was a really good crowd, probably the best crowd of the season uh, there Saturday. And so the energy level was higher, and you could tell it in the team, it seemed. Um, and we came out, and man, I tell you what, we, we did play with energy. Um, we did make plays until we got into, the, into these situations. We, two different times, had the ball, fourth and one on the one-yard line. I mean, I believe they were both in the first quarter, if I'm not mistaken. I know they were definitely in the first half. And once was a uh, one of them was a botched handoff, uh, trying to figure out if it was more Gunner or more Mateo. But whatever happened, we fumbled it. The second one, I, you know what? I don't give any blame. It was fourth and one at the one, and you know what we did? We turned around and handed it off to our best player. And, and I've said that all year. If we don't try to get cute on fourth down, if we turn around and give it to Mateo and we don't get it, yeah, then that is what it is. And, you know, our, our O-line got pushed back on that one. And, and whoever that linebacker was at Pitt, Mateo tried to jump the line, and, man, that guy met him in midair. And that was just <laughs> a great football play. But sure. at the end of the day, we sat um, up leading in the second quarter, um, playing really well, and we had, we had already left. 14 points on the board. And so, I mean, we can look at that as a positive or a negative. I'm trying to look at that as a positive, that not only were we leading the game close to halftime, but we could have really been leading that game uh, by a whole lot more. And so, hey, kudos to this team. They could come out and roll over and not care, but they came out and fought. And, And Kenny Pickett's a Heisman candidate, and he sat there and had time in the pocket, and he showed if he has time in the pocket, those receivers can get open. And so, at the end of the day, that's what happened.
1: Pittsburgh wins fifty-four to twenty-nine against the Duke Blue Devils. We saw a couple of things. We saw Duke team competitive in the first half, and like there are moments in the first half, as you're saying, where it feels like all of the momentum is now going to shift in Pittsburgh's favor. Duke doesn't let that phase them whatsoever, right? They get a safety defensively, and then also had a kickoff return for a touchdown, go eighty-six yards. Special teams plays are amazing when it's your team making the big play happen.
0: Yeah, no doubt, Jalen Stinson and. If you watch that kickoff, he it was it was a short kickoff, and we've kind of belabored the point all year of if it's if it's uh, within the ten yard line, we definitely on a fair catch up because getting the ball at the twenty five is much better than getting the ball at the sixteen, which is what happens often. Yeah, he fielded that ball about the sixteen yard line. He had his momentum going forward, and man, he did. That was a textbook kickoff return. I mean, he cut out to the outside, got the sideline, and then beat just beat yeah. three three guys <laughs> to the end zone, and so. Really cool. I, I believe he was also named the uh, returner special teams returner of the week in the ACC for that. So really cool for Jalen Stinson.
1: Stinson out of Opelika, Alabama, right outside of Auburn, someone I've known for and followed uh, for quite some time. Excited to see him make some good plays for the Duke Blue Devils there on special teams. So talking about the Duke Blue Devils and their performance against Pittsburgh, Kenny Pickett is the Heisman candidate, right? And really looked good uh, in moments against Duke. and is just adding to really good numbers this season. How do you think that secondary, though, fared against Pickett and the Pittsburgh receivers if you had to give them an honest assessment?
0: Well, there's a couple of videos surfacing around uh, showing some coverage breakdowns from Saturday, Uh and they were legitimate. But I will say this, and I'm not – this is just the truth. Our defensive line just did not get to Kenny Pickett um And when, when Kenny Pickett only has three seconds in the pocket to get rid of the football, <laughs> he's still really, really good. Right, But when he yeah. has five seconds to get rid of the football, he becomes unstoppable. And so if you really watch that, he stood in that pocket for more than three seconds on most plays. And, you know, his initial read was not necessarily open. It was always kind of waiting on that second move or that second read, third read uh, that then came open. But here's the thing, you cannot expect your secondary. To cover for five seconds. You've sure. got to, you've got to get pressure on him. You got to let those guys cover for three to four seconds, um, and then release. And so, uh I won't put all of the blame on the secondary, even though there was a couple of times where we were definitely burnt toast. I mean, there was a couple of double double moves that just made us look, made us look silly. But but Pickett puts the ball right on the money, and he's got good receivers. Uh, so you know, it, it, it wasn't all on the secondary. Um, the secondary can only be as good as the D-line. And so the d line just got to get to the quarterback better.
1: So for this uh, Duke football team, we're talking about Kenny Pickett playing quarterback. Quarterback for Duke has been a discussion over the past several years uh, with the number of different guys taking snaps from Clinton Harris to Chase Bryce. Now we're here in 2021 and talked a lot about Gunnar Holmberg. Saturday we saw three different quarterbacks take snaps for the Blue Devils between Holmberg, Riley Leonard, Luca Diamond. Tell me how you're feeling about the quarterback room.
0: Yeah, well, first of all, Luca, um, I'm sorry, uh, Gunnar went down with an injury um, there, and we really thought the worst, uh, thinking of a collarbone uh, there. What we found out is that it's not a collarbone and that it's actually a fairly minor rib uh, situation there. And, and I believe uh, Coach Cutcliffe has said, has said this as well. He's day-to-day. And so we'll see where he's at moving into this Virginia Tech game. Riley Leonard came in, and, and it looks like, you know, as you mentioned, this this quarterback room, Riley Leonard Leonard has definitely taken over the backup role. He's a true freshman, a four-star guy, hi, highly recruited, highly touted guy. Um, and so he played, and you know, <coughs> excuse me, a little interesting. We turned him into a runner a little bit, which I was a little. I think he's a prototypical uh, passing quarterback, and we turned him into a runner a little bit. But he was fine there, um, and I just think he needs a little bit, um, a little bit of experience. And I think he's going to be fine, quarterback of the future. What I'm scratching my head at, is I'm scratching my head at the uh, the neglect of Jordan Moore. We remember at the beginning of this season, uh, even the Charlotte game, the very first game first of game the, of the year, he's in there. Yeah, yeah, he's in there. We run a package for him. Um, he's a run first quarterback. Well, we're using him as a run first quarterback. Everyone says he can throw the ball, um, and so I'm not sure what has happened with the Jordan Moore experiment. Uh, and then also, as you mentioned, Luca. Uh, Luca came into this year, I believe, thinking he was the number two quarterback, and he's really moved down that depth chart uh, as the season has, has gone on. But he comes into the end, and granted, he's he's playing against second and third stringers, but he comes into the end and looks really good. And so, you know, I, I don't know what to think about the quarterback room. I do believe if Gunnar does not um, play in Blacksburg, it's going to be Riley Leonard. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see if they do a dual quarterback situation where Jordan or Luca. Uh, get some of the snaps.
1: We'll have to wait and see exactly how it plays out against Virginia Tech, the next opponent due up for the Duke Blue Devils. I want to talk about the hokies and what's at stake with Josh Cox from Duke Football Talks Section 17 podcast. We'll discuss Virginia Tech and a little Duke men's basketball after one more quick timeout right here on Locked On Blue Devil. Today's podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. We're back and better than ever, a new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines Than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, baseball, NHL, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your sports. Bet online where the game starts. Back on Lockdown Blue Devils, my name is JJ Jackson. Josh Cox here with me from Duke Football Talks Section 17 podcast. Follow them on Twitter at Duke FB Talk. Follow Josh on Twitter at Joshua Cox. All right, so talking about Virginia Tech. You guys have already done your preview podcast that you do every week, also recapping the Pittsburgh game. So go and find that wherever you get your podcasts. What jumps out to you about the Hokies?
0: Well, the first thing that jumps out to us about the Hokies is that Justin Fuente, um, I can say this, um, is on the way out the door. I mean, there's, there's just no way around that. Yeah. Um, he has run his course in Blacksburg. Feels
1: like he's been on the hot seat for a million years.
0: Yeah, and that that seat is absolutely uh, boiling. Scorching, yeah, <laughs> it's scorching. It's all but announced. And so, at the end of the day, we know that these players are playing for pride. Uh, that you know, teams respond differently when they know their coach is on the way out. They either play inspired football for him, wanting to send him out as good as they can, or they pack it in and they they fall apart. And yeah. I don't know what this Virginia Tech team will do. Uh, they have sketchy offensive play. Um, Braxton Burmeister has been uh, a disappointment for them this entire season. I mean, he's only completing fifty-four percent of his passes. Wow. Um, on the year, he's only thrown for fourteen hundred and ninety-five yards. Um, in fact, he got hurt Saturday, and they're not even sure that he's going to play this coming Saturday. Um, and so, I think he. I think. Um, I think he will play, but but he's going to be banged up, um, and so. I think that's very interesting. If they do uh, go with someone other than Burmeister, I mean, you're looking at Knox Kadem as their second guy, and he's only thrown 21 pass attempts on the season. Um, At the end of the day, this Virginia Tech team uh, started similar to Duke, three and one. Duke had the UNC game that kind of derailed the beginning of our season. Virginia Tech starts three and one, and they had the Notre Dame game that kind of derailed, began the derailing of their season. They lost that game at home, a close game. But from that point forward, they've not been the same. And so this is a struggling team. If Duke is going to win a game in these last three weeks of the season, it's going to be this Saturday in Blacksburg.
1: And we'll see if it happens again. Virginia Tech will be the home team, 3.30 Eastern time. You can watch it on the ACC Network with the Hokies favored by 11 and a half. Have you ever had the opportunity to go to a game at Lane Stadium, Josh?
0: That's interesting you ask that. I was actually at the Thomas Cirque. No way. (laughs) For overtime game. Yes, I had a shout-out to my friend up in Blacksburg, got me tickets. We actually sat up in the press box, um, so we had really good tickets. Yeah. Um, And that game started, I believe that game was a 3.30 or 4 o'clock start, and that game didn't end until, like, late into the night. It was an incredible game. And that, that, was a, that was a difficult game. We did not play well. In fact, Thomas Cirk did not play well that game. Right. But he came up big in that, I believe, fourth overtime. And so that was a really cool – I was the only person up in the, the skybox with Duke on. Everyone else had Virginia Tech on. Um, I will say this, though. I do want to go back to a game there, and I want to sit in the regular st- uh, seats because inner Sandman from inside of that press box area – just didn't, it didn't feel, you know, you couldn't, you were indoors. Right. Um, I would love to be outside sitting in the stands, kind of experiencing that. Uh, mm-hmm. But what an awesome atmosphere. It's I was so going to cool. say, even to still, about, could you
1: pick up on how exciting the atmosphere was Oh even yeah, you not being out there?
0: You could almost see the stadium, you know, shaking and moving yeah. at the beginning. So it's, it's just a unique entrance. And, um, you know, I would put it up there. I, I'm not sure that there's any entrance in college football that's any better. Than Virginia Tech's,
1: no doubt. And uh, look, it's going to be at where Duke plays football come Saturday again, three thirty Eastern kickoff between the Blue Devils and the Hokies. Duke wins this game if blank.
0: Duke wins this game if shout out to our first one thousand yard season rusher Mateo Durant. Yes. Duke wins this game if Mateo Durant breaks an early long run for a touchdown, <clears throat> and if our defense can put some pressure on the quarterback. I think it's those two things. I think we need to score early. And I say, Mateo Durant, we need an early score. Yeah. It would be yeah. awesome if Mateo could break one, but we need to score first, and then we need to put pressure on the quarterback. I think those two things, Um, they're, like I said, they're already reeling. They they only scored three points this past Saturday. Um, mm-hmm. They're not looking good. Um, not sure if Trey Turner is going to be playing. They're their they're outstanding wide receiver. He's still up in the air. So we have a shot. So we win if we if we score first, and we get pressure on the quarterback.
1: We talked about the quarterback room and the other conversation that needs to be had regarding Duke football is obviously Mateo Duran is someone that deserves to be celebrated, the first 1,000 yard running back since 2003 for Duke, and probably a number that even befuddles me, Josh. I mentioned this unlocked on, on ACC a little bit earlier. Duke football has been around for a really long time, and Mateo's only the sixth guy ever to reach 1,000 yards, and it's, it just feels like at some point you would have seen more people stumble into these 1,000-yard uh, seasons rushing the football than we have.
0: Well, a couple of things. First of all, we've been inept offensively, you know, off and on throughout our history. Secondly, when we have been successful, think about the Spurrier years, we threw the ball. We threw Good. the ball like crazy. We had successful quarterbacks. And even, even leading up to the Cutcliffe years and the early Cutcliffe, Cutcliffe years, It was all about that Thad Lewis, Sean Renfrey. Those guys were just zipping the ball around the field. Um, And then, Cutcliffe, we went through that stage in 2013 where, I mean, we had Jaleigh Duncan, Shaq Powell, Josh Snead, Jawan Thompson. We had like four running backs one season that just literally split the time. And so if you add those things together, yeah, we had 1,000-yard rushers. Uh, It's just like the last two seasons. If, If Deion Jackson is the main back and there is no Mateo Durant, He's rushing over a thousand yards, right. and vice yeah. versa. If Deion Jackson's not there, and the last two seasons have been Mateo only, yeah. he'll be he would be on his third. So I think there's some elements in play there, um, but just really cool. Mateo doesn't, I believe, he needs less than 300 yards to move into fourth all time rushing at Duke, and he did not play his freshman year. He, I think, he rushed for under 50 yards his freshman season, so he could finish in the top four in in rushing yardage history at Duke, only playing for three seasons. That's
1: wild. That's a really impressive stat for for Mateo Durant, who's one of the best to ever put on that Duke uniform and, and run the football out of the backfield there. Just thinking about that position, and you know, you're right. There's so many things that go hand in hand to have a successful running game. There are certainly programs in college football, as you well know, that would laugh at this stat for Duke football because it's like, hey, we almost have two 1,000-yard rushers every single season. You've only had six in the history of your program. My point was, what does the future of the tailback position look like for Duke? Because Jordan Waters was somebody that we saw had the big, long touchdown catch week one versus Charlotte. But outside of that, very little production. And I haven't really seen anybody out of that running back room do anything.
0: Yeah, um, you have. And I'm going to make sure I get names right real quick. I'm going to have it pulled up right here. But yeah, Jordan Waters has been. I think Jordan Waters may have been dinged up a little bit, to be honest okay. with you. I don't know that. That would make he more was, sense. I mean, it would make boy. more sense. He went to MIA for like a game or two there, and, and no one knew. Uh, Jalen Coleman is a guy uh, that's gotten a little bit of playing time um, this so far this season. Um, and I'm not really sure. He's a redshirt sophomore. So he's got a couple of, of, of years left. And I'll be honest, um, I don't know right off the top of my head, but if I'm not mistaken, um, I believe we have a – I believe his last name is Davis, but I believe we have a, a true freshman who's redshirting this year that's supposed to be highly touted. And so, okay. you know, I, I'm i going to speak a little bit broadly of running backs in general, but I think we're seeing in the NFL, not maybe as much in college, but some in college, that the running back position is not valued, it's devalued a little bit. and Isn't that the truth? Yeah, Yeah, they're completely cool with finding three guys – that are a seven and a half out of 10 instead of that one guy that's a 10 out of a 10. Sure. And and I think that, you know, that's just a, that's just new football. There's a lot of injuries that happen at the running back position. And I think it's a safer bet to have three guys that can handle the load rather than one guy. I mean, we, we've seen it just this year, and fingers crossed, Mateo has stayed healthy, somewhat healthy. Yeah. But he has taken the bulk. And, man, there's some those games in the fourth quarter, it looks like he can barely pick himself up you know, to get to the sidelines. So, right. you know, that's uh, the future of uh, – I believe the future of the running game at Duke is uh, more and more two, two guys, maybe three guys in the backfield.
1: You guys have the Section 17 podcast. It's Duke Football Talk. It's Josh Cox here with us every week. They give you a preview of the game. I love Alumni Alley, the fun segment that you guys do. Give me a teaser. Give me one of the notable alums from Virginia Tech or – uh, someone that got some love to, this week on the show. Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, so I'll give you one that's not mine. This was not mine. Okay. But one was uh, the the father of two moderately talented shooters in the NBA, and that is Mr. Del Curry.
1: Yeah. So, you
0: know. <laughs> yes. He, and- he was a moderate shooter himself, and he's the father of two halfway decent NBA right. shooters.
1: One of which has a degree from Duke University, so I appreciate that's you right. uh, bringing up our good friend Del Curry. The
0: underrated.
1: Yes. Oh, my gosh. For sure. No doubt. That guy's shooting over 50% from three the past couple of seasons, playing really good basketball for the 76ers. Speaking of hoops, let's end it with that. Duke played Kentucky to open up the college basketball season in the Champions Classic on Tuesday night. Blue Devils were leading by four at halftime. They won by eight. They won the second half by four points as well. What did you think of Duke's effort?
0: Man, I – well, first of all, I don't know that Duke fans have been as hyped about a game as they were last night's game, yeah. just because it being Coach K's final season uh, to kick it off in Madison Square Garden against John Calipari and the and the Kentucky Wildcats. There's just a lot of history there. And I thought it was the atmosphere was incredible seeing everybody that was at the game. A lot of former Kentucky players there, uh, some Duke players as well. Shout out. Daniel Jones was there as well. Yeah. Um, but uh but, man, I'd say there were a couple of things. Obviously, Trevor Keels is what everyone's talking about, and rightfully so. Yeah. Um, it's funny because in the recruiting, I don't follow basketball recruiting heavily, but I follow it enough. Keels was kind of an afterthought right? This um, recruiting. Very and much man, so. He's a grown man. He is not just a three-point shooter, as he showed last night. He only hit right. one. Um, he gets in the lane. He is strong. He's a great defender. He deflected the ball so many times uh, last night. So can't say enough about Trevor Kills. And then obviously, uh, Paulo With He is, as advertised, his first points of his career was on that step back, like 18-footer from the top (laughs) of the key. And I'm like, man, this guy just went between his legs, around his back, you know, crossover, and hit 18-footer, and he's 6'10". Right. Um, And he's a unicorn. He's going to be an incredible player. I love his motor and his desire to win. What I actually thought was the... Most important thing for Duke last night was in the second half, Paulo goes out with cramps. Wendell is out with cramps. And Wendell, by the way, played a really good game. He played a yeah. a, a leadership game was last good to night. See. But we, we sat in there with uh, Theo John, A.J. Griffin, Joey Baker, Jeremy Roach, and Trevor Keels. That was the lineup. And that lineup went on a run. And put some distance I think we got up 15 right that lineup in so you have your team leader in Wendell and you have your best player in Paulo off the court and you extend the lead to me as a Duke fan our question marks were around guys like AJ Griffin is he right. going to be you know with his injuries and stuff and 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 certainly he's still got a ways to go but to see those guys on the court performing the way they did and stretching the lead out man I, I was I was really excited for how that game ended up
1: out-rebounded by eight. Kentucky had 16 more shots than the Blue Devils. Duke only hit one three-pointer the entire night. I mean, there are just so many things that you can point to and be like, man, this could be – I mean, these are really good signs. I mentioned on the recap pod also Kentucky in the first half knocked down six three-pointers themselves. They only had one in the second half and only took five. It was much more of a defensive effort from Duke to take away the three-point shot. Which was huge in terms of turning away Kentucky.
0: Yes, for sure, and the transfer from Davidson there uh, for Kentucky. I believe Murphy. Um, he he was uh, he got off in the first half and did in the second half, and then you know I know that it was it was Wendell and it was Trevor Keels, but Ty Ty Washington was frustrated all night. <laughs> uh, we deed him up, and, and 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 honestly, it's really cool when we when we can play so physical. Those guys out on the wing are physical. Wendell's a big dude. Trevor Kills is a big dude, and so we were able to out physical them for sure. And you know what? We're not going to face a big man that's going to pull down that many offensive boards the rest of the season. And in fact, let's let's be honest. Neither is he. He ain't going to pull down that many offensive rebounds, right? More than likely, in another game this season, I will say all kudos to him though. He was always in the right spot, um, and he was. I believe he's a West Virginia transfer.
1: Yes. Um. And She-boy. man, I, yeah,
0: yeah. Just just incredible. And honestly, maybe this game woke up Mark Williams a little bit because Theo John definitely came in the game and was a grown man and showed that he is, he's got four years under his belt.
1: So much fun. A 79-71 victory for Duke over Kentucky. Is it safe to assume you woke up in a good mood then after the Blue Devils opening victory?
0: Listen, I woke up in a great mood. And then come to find out during the game, um, I landed – a couple of tickets to this Saturday night's game against Campbell. I already had tickets to the following Tuesday night game against Gardner-Webb. So I'm (laughs) going to get to be in Cameron a couple of times this week. And uh, my night just couldn't have gotten any better.
1: That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, we certainly hope that people are having a – they had a good night of sleep if they're listening to us on Thursday morning when they're chatting with us here on uh, Locked On Blue Devils. Josh Cox, I can't thank you enough. Every time you come on the program, it's uh, always a pleasure to chat with you, my friend. Thank you for doing this.
0: Yeah, for sure, and I say this every time I'm on. Press pause and go like and review Locked On Blue Devils, and then if you'd ever be so kind, do the same on the Section 17 podcast. It helps both of our platforms, and hey, listen, we want more and more Duke content out there in the podcast world.
1: Absolutely. He's on Twitter, at Joshua Cox, at Duke FB Talk at LO underscore Blue Devils on Twitter, and at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. That's enough reviews and Twitter handles for you to find and get all of the great Duke content that you need so be sure to check it all out right there that'll do it for today's show as always go duke i'll talk to you tomorrow my name is jj jackson thank you and good day